At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, from Him, through us, for all, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, you have invited us here today to meet with you. You have invited us here today to bring an offering of praise to you. And yet there are so many things on our mind today. There are so many things on the agenda for the week ahead. But God, today is a special day for many. So God, we want to give you thanks for our moms. And yet we also acknowledge that all that our moms have provided, all that our moms have done for us, all the ways that they bless us, that comes from you. That comes from your blessing in our lives. And yet, God, we also acknowledge today that Mother's Day can be a painful day for many. And so, God, in the midst of that pain, whatever it might be, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to the moms and the women in the room today. Those of us who are watching and worshiping with us online, would your Spirit touch them in a way to help them to know that you love them more than any earthly mother could. But God, today is about you. This moment is about you. And so, God, we turn our attention to you right now in this moment to offer you our minds, to offer you our hearts, to offer you the central place in our lives. As we turn to your word, God, we acknowledge your word is true. It's truth. It has everything we need to walk humbly in faith. And so we ask that you would give us eyes to see the truth of your word this morning. That you give us ears to hear this truth. And then, God, that you would give us the courage that it's going to take us to walk out this truth in the weeks ahead. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church family, this morning we are going to begin by looking backward. You might say, well, Pastor, that's a strange way to start a sermon. You're going to begin by turning around and looking the other direction. I am, actually. You see, a few weeks ago, uh, I made an ask of you. And as I was praying and preparing for this week's message, I was reminded of that, and I felt like this is exactly what we need to do as a church family. We need to take a look backward, because what we're talking about and what we've been looking at is the overflow. That's the name of the sermon series. That's the name of this thing that we've been doing for the past five weeks, and I, you might remember I encouraged you at the beginning of this series to pause to come before our holy God and see what he would have you to do in response. I asked you, I said, please go before our heavenly father with this open-handed, open-hearted posture to see what he would do in your lives. So we're going to look back for just a moment 
where in week one, what we asked and what we focused on was giving and the gospel, the link between what we give and how it is rooted in the centrality of the gospel. That was week one. Then we spoke of giving and love and how it is rooted in love. Then in week three, we saw the importance of giving and partnership. Hope you remember that weekend where we talked about the significance of partnering in the context of ministry. And that leads us to week four. And that's where we saw how giving and ministry actually go together. They help us see a deeper understanding of the importance of giving from the overflow of what God has first provided for us. That's really the foundation of this whole series. When we talk about overflow, what we're looking at is the idea that God's chosen people are called to be a pathway of blessing for others. You see, it begins with God, and then it's given to God's people for the purpose of being a blessing to our world. It's established in the Old Testament. It's a covenantal promise, and it has practice and practical implications for you and me today because God gives to us so that we might give to others. That's what we've been looking at, and that is the focus of what we're talking about. And I want you to know as we get started with this final sermon in this series, it's my prayer that you would have that same open-handed, open-hearted, humble posture before God to see what it is that He wants and asks of you on your journey when it comes to the idea of giving to allow God through the power of the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart in a powerful and significant way so that you might be an overflow to the world around you. So let's look back at the text. Let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Once again, we're going to finish that chapter today. So if you have your ESV Bible, you're going to find that on page 968. If you were following along on a mobile device or anything else, you're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Again, we're going to start at verse 8. Here is what the Apostle Paul writes. And God, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. For as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving in God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and they pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God 
for this inexpressible gift. So church, let's reflect on the situation. Christ followers in Jerusalem are struggling. What Paul is doing is he's coming before two groups of people and he's making an appeal for them to give to their needs, to supply for their needs. He reaches out to the Macedonians and then he reaches out to the Corinthians. Now the Macedonians, you may remember, have very little. They are not a wealthy people. They have very little and conversely, the Corinthians... Well, they have much. They have much. And so Paul is writing to the Corinthians. That's why it's in 2 Corinthians. He's writing to the Corinthians, and what he's asking is he's calling them out to say, look, in Christ you have tremendous riches. You have been blessed in significant and powerful ways, and so therefore out of the overflow of what you have, would you be a blessing to others? He's calling upon their honor as a people. And what's so significant about that is that was the primary currency in that culture, in, the, in that time period. In the Greco-Roman culture, you wanted to have honor. It was significant. You wanted to be respected. You wanted to be looked at with honor, to avoid shame at all costs. So that's the foundation. And now Paul moves beyond this kind of culturally sensitive issue to his final appeal for another reason. What his appeal is this, this time is the very character of God. He's building his ask on the character of God. So let's dig a little bit deeper, specifically at verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So Paul is encouraging the Corinthians And all believers, not to be deceived in thinking that everything we have is because of our hard work. And I'll just challenge us with that. Don't allow your mind to be deceived into thinking too highly of yourself. That's a word for all of us here today, including myself. We should not think too highly of ourselves because everything about us is a gift from Almighty God. All of it. Every bit of it. You see, God knew you before the creation of the world. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He has given you every single breath of life that you've ever taken. He's provided you the mind. He's provided you the physical strength. He's provided you the skills. He's given you the opportunities for everything you have and everything you are today. And so today, if you were in Christ, God has even provided a way through faith in His Son for you to be redeemed. In Christ, we experience the grace of our God. And it's that grace that may abound in us, and it is that same grace that should flow from us to others. 
It should be abounding in us. We should experience it in our own lives, and it should be an overflow, and it should come out to others. That's what the apostle desires for the Corinthians in this text, and all believers to recognize that God is the, is the one who gives it to us. And from Him and in Him, we have everything. We have more than enough in Christ. This is why Paul writes these words. He says, believers have all sufficiency in all things at all times. That covers a lot, doesn't it? To believer, you... You've been enriched in all things at all times in Jesus, who is the Christ. And this is the profound truth for us today. It's a profound truth that leads us to have our first response that believers are called to. That in order for us to honor God with our giving, you and I are called to trust in God's sufficiency. You and I are called to lean in and depend upon the very sufficiency of our God. Now, I'm guessing some of you might be saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor, that seems far too obvious. It's like foundational. It's basic. Yes, it is. And yet sometimes it's hard to believe it, isn't it? to trust in the sufficiency of God when the car breaks down. To trust in the sufficiency of God when the college bills start coming and coming and coming. To trust in the sufficiency of God when you get that insurance statement in the mail and it did not cover what you thought it was going to cover. These are real tests for you and I to trust in the sufficiency of God. Church, how are we doing? This is why God calls us to depend upon His character. For you and I as believers to lean into the character of Almighty God because when we look at our circumstances, they can overwhelm us. The intensity of the situation can be overwhelming. And so that's why Paul says, depend fully upon a holy God. Rest completely in a holy God. Don't be overwhelmed by your circumstances. But instead, trust in his sufficiency. Now, church, let's look back at verse 9. Let's continue on in our text. Paul says, As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower of bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Let me give you a quick summary of that. God will provide for you so that you can provide for the needs of the spiritual harvest. God will, in fact, provide for you so that you can provide for the spiritual needs of others. I love the way theologian Simon Kistemacher explains it. He says it this way. He said, the spiritual and material uh, from gifts coming from God should never stop at the recipient. It shouldn't stop there. 
It must be passed on to alleviate the needs of others in the church and in society. The believer must always be a human channel through which divine grace enriches others. Such a beautiful picture. This means that you and I will always be blessed enough to bless someone else. We will always have the means that we can be a blessing to others by our generosity. Now, here on Mother's Day, I can think of no better illustration of this point than our young moms. When you're tired and you're depleted, you've been up half the night feeding the newborn, when all three kids need mommy's attention at the exact same moment. That happens, doesn't it? When the oldest one wants to read, the middle one wants to play, and the youngest one wants to take a nap, it's all on mom to figure that out. And let's not forget, dads, we still want some time, don't we? You see, the reason this is such a good illustration, particularly on Mother's Day, but also every day of the year, because young moms always seem to find a way to be generous with their time and with their attention, even when they don't feel like they have any to give. That's played out so faithfully in the lives of young moms. So church, we can learn a lot from these moms Because even when they don't think they have enough, they don't think they have anything more that they can give, they still find a way to be generous. Now let's look at the second portion of today's text. Let's pick it up at verse 11. Paul says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So Paul continues to communicate to the Corinthians, and he continues to communicate to all of us who are reading this text what happens when you and I are, in fact, generous. The first thing is obvious. When we provide for someone else, tangible needs are met. Physical needs are met. The basics get handled first. That seems pretty obvious. But what happens next might not be quite as obvious. And so Paul unpacks it for us here just a bit. He said, God receives praise and people give thanks. What the Corinthians gave provided for the basics. But it also multiplied the praise of the people. You see, what happened was the Corinthians gave from a material overflow. They had and they gave. What did it produce? It produced spiritual overflow. It produced spiritual overflow. I want you to imagine for a moment if you were in Jerusalem and you know that another group of believers has what you don't have. Picture yourself for just a moment in that spot. This church over here is loaded. God has provided for them in significant ways. And yet, 
they gave. They heard about your need and they are giving to you. You see, through the gift, the Jerusalem church knew that God had not forgotten them. And so what happens is God was meeting their needs through the faithfulness of other believers. And so what happens, that leads directly to praise. Directly to praise. God has provided for them in significant, practical, tangible ways. So it produces spiritual fruit. God's people begin to praise And if any of you, if any of you who have received this kind of financial blessing in a time of need, you know exactly what this feels like. I may have shared this story before, and if I did, forgive me for that, but I, I think it's worthwhile to revisit Bonnie and I experienced this kind of giving when we were young, and uh, what happened in our lives is I got to a point where I sensed God's calling me to pastoral ministry. And so I was in a job. I loved my job. I was there for 10 years. I worked at Our Daily Bread Ministries, and I decided that uh, we were going to resign from that position and move to Florida to go to seminary. And so we did that. And within six months, we had our son, Reed. And so I'd resigned from a full-time position. We're trying to piece finances together. I'm going to school full-time. We have a newborn. Things, as you might guess, a little tight. And so I'm at seminary, and I walk over to our mailbox. And the mailbox on campus is where you would go to kind of pick up your test or your uh, project that you would turn in. The professors would kind of slide it in there, and that's where you would get your grades. And yet I walked over to that mailbox, and I pulled something out of that mailbox, and there was an envelope. And in that envelope was a cashier's check. There's no name on it. To this day, I have no idea who put it there. Do you know what that produced in our lives? Certainly it helped us out with tangible things in that moment. But what it also did is it also got us to a point where we were humbled and we praised God for his goodness to us. It led a young couple to give praise to God. So from the material overflow that someone had, they gave it to us and it produced a spiritual overflow in our lives. When we're generous, God does that. Now let's continue on in our text. By their approval of the service, now who is there, uh, that would be the folks in Jerusalem. They will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Here the recipients of this financial gift aren't the only ones who are receiving a blessing. Sometimes we think when we just give, that's, that's going to just bless those folks. And what ends up happening is we receive a significant blessing as well. It's not often talked about, and oftentimes it can be manipulated. 
But let me parse that out what that looks like. So let's look at verse 14. It says, they long for you. The Jerusalem church, Corinthians, long for you. This implies that a fellowship or a friendship is being established through your generosity. The Jerusalem Christians long to be with those who are supporting them. Anyone who's ever been on a short-term mission trip understands this truth because when you invest in someone, you have that same shared experience. There is a connection that happens. There is a relational connection that happens in that moment. And they long to be with each other. It's the body of Christ at work. And in the next phrase, in verse 14, it says, and they pray for you. There is not only friendship and fellowship, but there is support that's been established because of the generosity. The Jerusalem Christians are now praying for their brothers and sisters in faith. For those in Corinth, they offer their prayers. They not only long to be with them, but then they take up their, their cause and begin to pray for them. Church, this is an overflow of spiritual benefits. And what happens is it happens on both sides of the generosity and both sides of the giving equation. And this is why if believers like you and me, if we desire to honor God with our giving, we should pursue the fruit of giving. You and I are called to, to intentionally pursue the fruit of giving. We should seek a blessing from our generosity. And you might say, wait a second, Pastor, are you... Are you saying that kind of thing that, like, if I give, I should expect to get back financial blessing? I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that there should be some measure of fruit that is produced in your life because of your generosity. I want to make this crystal clear. God's people should hope to see Christ-centered fruit from our generosity. I didn't say financial blessing. What I'm saying is Christ-centered fruit. Here's what I mean by that. When we give, it should be the heart cry of every believer to see God's kingdom advance, to see the church move and empowered, to see people coming to faith. That's fruit. So when we give, we should desire that. We should desire to see that from what we give. That's not why we give, but it's certainly a genuine hope that all believers can have to see God move not only in our lives, but in the lives of those we bless. You might say, well, pastor, what does that look like? I mean, practically speaking, what does that look like? What does fruit look like? In my life, it might mean that I have a deeper understanding of the power of God. When I give, somehow God multiplies that and moves the gospel in ways that I could never imagine. And so the fruit that I'm getting as I see it, I, I see the love of God and the power of God in new and significant ways. Another fruit might be an increased passion for the advancement of the gospel. When I give, I see people come to Christ. What does that do in my heart? Well, I want to give more. 
I want to see more of that. I don't want to see less of that. I don't want to, if, if I can give and it happens, God multiplies it. Well, I want to continue to give to that. Another fruit is deep, abiding joy in the life of the believer. If God has blessed you in material ways, you know the joy that I'm talking about. That's a fruit that believers receive from our generosity. Again, it is not why we give, and the fruit isn't financial, but spiritual. This is why missionary Hudson Taylor once said these words. He said, the less I spend on myself and the more I give away, the fuller of happiness and the fuller of blessing did my soul become. He gets it. He's seen gospel advancement and movement from his generosity. It's powerful. Now, White Lake family, as we conclude this overflow series. It is my prayer that what has been made clear to you over the past few weeks, the past five weeks specifically, that if you are in Christ today, if you have placed your faith upon the person and the work of Jesus Christ, if you know Him as your Savior, if you've been redeemed, then out of the overflow of what you have experienced, you are called to be generous. There's no arm twisting. But what the Apostle Paul has shown us is that this is what the call is for the believer. We are called to be generous. That does, in fact, mean generous with our money. But it also means two other commodities in our world. There's two other ways that you and I can be generous with our time and with our talent. So treasure, time, and talent. And these are the very things. These are the very things that I'm going to call you as your pastor to live out a practical application today. Here's what it looks like. Our church in this season, all churches in this season, to be perfectly candid, have needs within our core ministries. So let me highlight that. That's kids, that's students, that's worship, that's special needs. These are core ministries of who we are as a church, and there are needs in all of those areas, needs for your talent, needs for your time. So I'm going to follow the Apostle Paul's lead And I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to exhort you to respond from the overflow of what you have experienced in your life to be generous. To be generous with your time and with your talent for the blessing of others through the ministry of this church. You might say, well, how are you going to do that today? Well, here's what we've done. As you leave today, there's a table right in the center of the lobby And there are sign-up sheets that highlight the different areas of need within our church. And we're going to ask you to be generous. 
to be generous with your time and with your talents. We're going to do that because you, you are God's pathway, blessing. So may your life overflow. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.